Yes, it's that time of year. It can only mean one thing. This year's annual Social Security's Trustees Report is out, and I'm about to recap it for you in this, the 69th episode of the Retirement Planning Education Podcast. Welcome to the Retirement Planning Education Podcast, where you can learn all about IRAs and Roth IRAs, employer retirement plans, taxes, Social Security, Medicare, portfolio withdrawal strategies, annuities, estate planning, and much more. And now here's your host, Andy Panko. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back. Who's excited? I know I am. Do you know why? It's because one of my uh, favorite days of the year recently happened. It was the year, uh, it was the day the Social Security trustees released their annual report about the Social Security system. Woohoo! Yay! Cue the uh, horns and noisemakers. One of my other favorite days of the year, by the way, is when the IRS releases the uh, tax brackets and rates for the following year. I know, right? You're saying like, man, what a miserable existence that these are my favorite days of the year. But they are. Um, One of my other days is probably the opening day for baseball. Not because I like baseball. I I don't, frankly. Um, I used to when I was a kid. I was a Mets fan. I liked Lenny Dykstra in the late 80s. He left to go to the Phillies, and that kind of left me confused and lonely and scared, so I didn't know what to do. Plus, there was the lockout around then, 1990, 91, 92, I don't remember, and just kind of lost interest and, and never went back. So uh, I don't, like I said, I don't like baseball as a, as a spectator sport. I mean, enjoy playing it. I enjoy playing all sports, but as a spectator sport, I just don't get it. But nonetheless, I, I find it uh, you know, opening day for baseball, Major League Baseball, is, is a sign that winter is informally over. I mean, it's officially over. Uh, spring has already started, but it's kind of like, hey, you know, spring's here, summer's here. L- let's do this. So anyway, those are some of my favorite days of the year. But this one today, I'm going to recap for you the, the key takeaways from the 2023 Social Security Trustees Report that came out March 31st, I think it was, 2023. This is the 83rd such annual report. It's a big one. It's 276 pages. These are commonly that big, you know, well into 200 pages. And it has all sorts of stuff. It's, it's really great. Anyone who ever complains that uh, the government is you know, hiding information or Social Security is a black box, they, they don't know what they're talking about. Social Security System is one of the most accounted for, publicly disclosed programs or reports I've ever come across. So the information is all here, publicly available uh, for anyone to look at. Um, it's you know those who, who who don't understand the system or choose to say wrong things about it clearly didn't put the time in to actually try to understand and read this report. Anyway, uh, there will be a link in the notes to the the full release and full 276 page report in all its glory. There's also a little uh, one page kind of summary website page that they have. You, you can find that in the links. Before we get rolling, I have to give a shout to my buddies at Boomer Benefits. That's my alliteration again, who are graciously kind enough to be a sponsor to this show, the Retirement Planning Education Podcast. Um, they, Who they are, anyone who's on Medicare or close to Medicare or researching Medicare, a good chance you came across them. They are a Medicare policy agent agency based out of Dallas-Fort Worth, but they can work with folks all throughout the country, except, I believe, New York although I'm told they are in the works of, uh, you know, getting getting registered in New York. But anyway, they can work with folks in, in, in effect, all states to help you shop around Medicare plans. So not, I mean, the base Medicare is what it is. For those of you who know about Medicare, there's Part B, Part A. You know, those are kind of the, the base things that everyone gets or, in effect, has to sign up for. Otherwise, there may be penalties if you don't. But above and beyond that, you may want extra coverage to cover things that the base Medicare doesn't cover. And there's a lot of things it doesn't cover. So the folks at Boomer Benefits can help you shop around, do the homework specific to you and the drugs you want or need, the doctors you want or need, the services you want or need, and figure out what combination of supplemental, aka Medigap plans, and or the alternative 
what's called Part C or Medicare Advantage plan is, is the best combination of things for you in terms of availability and access and use and, and price, of course, to help you shop around for that. So give them a look if you are in the market or soon to be in the market for uh, being on Medicare and want to want to consider your options for possible uh, plans and supplements to get. Again, Boomer Benefits, you can check out the link in the notes to this episode, boomerbenefits.com. All righty, Social Security. So this report, um, it, it does a lot of things and it, it, there's a lot of gory details that are well beyond the scope of what anyone's interested in, in, in picking through. And a lot of it is the same thing every year, more or less, like in terms of the template and format of the report, they, you can tell they just kind of sort of grind it out and update facts and figures for the most part, uh, unless there's any substantive changes. Um, which, which should be fair to take the lazy route. What I'm doing in this episode is the same as what I did in June of last year. June of 2022 was when that year's report came out. I gave a full recap of it. And to be frank, I just took my bulleted notes from last time, copy and pasted, and I'm basically updating figures because there weren't really other material changes in this year's trustees report beyond just you know revised facts and figures for the current year. So it makes it a little easy for me to grind out this, this, uh, this episode, but I'll, I'll try to give it some flavor and color here. So what, what does the report do? Well, it gives annual operating info and long-term projections. It goes out uh, decades into the future with, with assumptions. Now, keep in mind, these are assumptions. There's a lot of what's called actuarial assumptions, meaning guesses about demographics and things like that to project out decades into the future. So these are just educated guesses and there's different, there's like uh, extremely good, extremely bad, and then what they call intermediate set of assumptions. And, and the report and the detail I'm, I'm going over today is based on their intermediate set of assumptions and they can and will change over time. So they, the actuaries within the social security system will make uh, long-term projections and guesses about things like fertility rates, death rates, immigration statistics, gross domestic product, or you know the overall economic output of the country, inflation, average wages, unemployment trends, interest to be earned on the trust fund, uh, you know, the social security trust fund, disabilities, disability recoveries, things like that. So you can see how many moving parts there are and it's impossible to get these things right because it requires a crystal ball, crystal ball, but nonetheless, they have to try. Um, so just to sort of recap what the system is, there's, I'm, I'm oversimplifying it, but there's, there's two trust funds, one called the Federal Old Age and Survivors Insurance and the other one called the Federal Disability Insurance, otherwise known as the OASI and DI funds. The OASI fund or trust fund is the one that takes in money and pays out benefits to retirees. Think about it that way. And survivors of retirees. Whereas the DI fund, the disability insurance fund, is the one that pays out uh, benefits to those who are disabled, you know, alive and disabled and, and are covered by disability insurance, uh, disability benefits under the Social Security system. Now, technically, it's two trust funds, legally are two trust funds, operationally, it's two trust funds. But um, in practice, the Social Security system lumps them together as one collective pot of money, and they call it the OASDI fund, uh, which is really, again, just informal accounting. They are two separate and distinct things. A little more background about the uh, trustees of the social security system. There are six by law, four of whom serve by virtue of their positions in the federal government. Those four are the secretary of the treasury, you know, current at the time, secretary of the treasury, secretary of labor, secretary of health and human services, and the commissioner of social security. The two other trustees are public representatives that are appointed by the president, subject to confirmation by the Senate. Now, those two seats, those two public trustee seats have been vacant since July of 2015. So P to be determined if and when uh, th those two ever get filled, or at least one of them gets filled. So here, here's the highlights, key takeaways for this um, this report. The As of last year's report, 2022, you know, the, the hot news still was the pandemic and, and how that has played into this. As of last year's report, 
The good news was the economic recovery from the pandemic had been better than expected a year prior. As of then, the long-run projections of the system were, were a, a bit better, or, or less worse, I should say. As of this year's report, um, they, they, the trustees are saying the quote-unquote acute stage of the pandemic is over. So a lot of like the, the big um, uh, broad stroke changes that weren't anticipated for years prior, those are kind of behind us. But they acknowledge there obviously will be residual effects to last for years, uh, for years to come. For example, the recent revisions are based on higher interest rate over the last year than was anticipated and also slightly uh, revised downward economic output or, or GDP over the long term going forward. So at the end of uh, 2022, and this is, again, all per the recent 2023 report, at the end of 2022, the combined OISDI trust fund was providing benefits to 66 million people. That's 51 million retired workers and their dependents. So it could be uh, spouses of or you know uh, children of the retired workers. Six million survivors of deceased workers. So this is people who you know work, get a benefit, start their benefit, die, and then that person's surviving spouse is able to get survivor benefits off their record. And then nine million uh, disabled workers and their dependents, because just like retirement benefits could pay uh, benefits to to dependents such as spouses and children. Disability payments under Social Security could also potentially pay benefits to spouses and, and children. In total, there were 181 million people who had earnings that were covered by the Social Security system. Just fun fact, not everyone who works in this country uh, is quote unquote covered by Social Security, meaning they, they don't have to pay into the uh, system. For years, they don't pay in. They're also not eligible to get benefits. Now, they could ultimately get benefits if they end up working at a job that, that does uh, pay in, but uh, some people are not covered specifically it's federal employees that that started pre-1984. Now when 84 happened, they had a choice to opt into the social security system, but prior to then they, they, they weren't uh, covered and weren't paying in. And about one quarter of municipal workers, so like teachers or state and local government workers uh, aren't covered. Now that's determined by the municipality itself. When, when they set up payment and set up existence, they, they can opt into whether or not they wanna pay into social security. As far as private employers, you know, you work for a regular company, you know, not the government in any form or fashion, uh, you have to be covered, you know, it's mandatory. Some religious workers are also uh, exempt for what it's worth. So just stepping back briefly, it's important to understand how the system works and the concept of the trust fund. And this will help sort of dispel some of the myths uh, you may hear from folks. It works kind of like a bank. So think about it this way. If you have a job and you, you earn uh, you bring in, I'm, I'm you know, ignoring taxes, I'm keeping the math super simple. You bring in 1500 bucks a month, let's say, and your total expenses to live, rent, car, whatever, are only a thousand bucks a month. Then you bring in $500 excess each month than what you spend. What do you do with that? Well, most people, you, you put that 500 bucks into a bank, let's just say. And so every month where you, you're bringing in more than you're spending, the excess is getting dumped into your bank account and the bank account is going to slowly grow. That's the trust fund of the social security system. To the extent the system is bringing in more money than it's paying out, the excess sits in what's called this trust fund. And those are the things I mentioned before, the, the OASDI uh, fund or funds. On the flip side, what happens if and when you are bringing in less money than your expenses? So same scenario, let's assume your expenses are still a thousand bucks a month, but you recently got um, laid off and, and had to start a different job that's paying you less. Now you're only bringing in $900 a month. So expenses are still unchanged, $1,000 a month. You're only bringing in $900. There's a $100 shortfall. Well, that's where you tap your bank. You know, the $900 you bring in does go to meet your $1,000 of expenses, but you need an extra 100 from somewhere. That's when you're pulling from your bank account to pull out 100 bucks to, you know, to, to pay the rest of your expenses. 
Now that's fine, so long as your bank account is still something larger than zero. You can keep tapping that for, for the excess. But if and when that trend continues long enough and you eventually deplete your bank account, then the game's over. You know that Well, not over, but then you can't pay the entirety of your expenses. You may only be able to pay a portion. In this case, if you're still bringing in $900 a month from, from uh, work and your expenses are still 1,000, you got nothing left in the bank account, then you're only gonna be able to pay 90% of your expenses or $900. So then clearly something's got to give and you got to figure out, you know, do you cut expenses or do you get put on some sort of long-term repayment plan or whatever. But anyway, so the point is the, you know, the, the bank account in this example here of working and paying expenses is synonymous with the trust fund of the social security system. So with that in mind, last year, 2022, the total cost of the program, meaning total monies out the door was $1.244 trillion dollars. Now, the vast majority of that was actual benefit payments to those, you know, retirees or spouses of retirees or those getting disability. In particular, is $1.232 trillion of benefit payments. There's also some other expenses, which pale in comparison, I mean, still large in absolute terms, but small in comparison, there's $6.7 billion of administrative expenses. That's, you know, the costs and salaries, I suppose, and office space of, of, of running the social security system. There's $5.5 billion in railroad retirement financial interchange. I frankly don't know what that is, but railroad employees, uh, they, they have their own and, and have for a long time their own social security-esque platform, you know, pension type platform that somehow is, is tied in with social security system. And there is some um, sharing of expenses or something along those lines. So anyway, so $5.5 billion of re uh, railroad retirement related expenses came out of the social security system. And again, so total uh, outflow, total cost of the program last year was $1.244 trillion. Now the money coming in was $1.22 trillion. There's a shortfall. Yes, I'll touch on that. So the what was that $1.222 trillion made up of? Vast majority was payroll contributions. You know, those who work and are covered by the social security system pay a certain portion of their uh, weekly paychecks or bi-weekly paychecks into or, or as what's called the FICA taxes, F-I-C-A, Federal Insurance Contributions Act, I think is what it stands for, taxes. That's Social Security Medicare tax. So uh, of the 1.222 trillion of income, 1.107 trillion was those such payroll tax contributions. And then here's some other, again, large and absolute terms, so small by comparison, $66 billion in interest from money that was in the trust fund that money is invested in special uh, security, special special bonds issued by the U.S. government, U U.S. Treasury. Uh, they pay interest. So, of the money sitting in the trust fund, there were sixty-six billion dollars of interest generated. That goes into the coffers of the Social Security system. And the last line item of income was forty-nine billion dollars of tax on benefits. So, you may or may not know that Social Security benefits are potentially taxable at the federal level. You know, you include them in your income tax return and maybe subject to income tax. Now, beyond the scope of this episode, but anywhere from zero to 85% of your social security benefits may be taxable. It all depends ultimately on how much other income you have. But if you take uh, all of the income tax that social security recipients had to pay last year in 2022, it was $49 billion. That's the source of income into the system. Now, I should mention that Social security system is ring fenced and cordoned off from the rest of the, the general comings and goings of cash, you know, revenue and expenses of the government. So this $49 billion in federal income tax paid on social security benefits does not go into the general pot of government money, of government uh, income uh, revenue. It, I mean, it does ultimately, but internally it's accounted for and segregated 
uh, earmarked specifically for the social security system. So any money that comes into the system is used solely for the system. It's not mixed and mingled. And, you know, this sort of anyone who ever says the government raids it or, uh, you know, takes money out or uses it to write checks for other stuff, it's, it's categorically false. So uh, anyway, the system brought in less money than it, than it had in expenses last year to the tune of $22 billion. There's a $22 billion shortfall between the income and expenses of the system. And this goes back to that bank account example. What happens when you have to spend more than you bring in? Where do you get the excess from? Well, your bank account. In this case, this is a trust fund. So the combined trust fund of the Social Security system as of the end of last year was $2.83 trillion. Huge number, right? And it is. But it went down a little bit year over year because that $22 billion shortfall from the system's operations last year had to come out of the trust fund. So the trust fund went down $22 billion year over year. Again, just to recap, at the end of 2022, it was $2.83 trillion in the Social Security Trust Fund, aka the bank account in my basic example. So that's last year's operations. Now, the real sort of uh, meat and potatoes and things people like to focus on in the trustees report is the projections, the actuarial projections of what's the system potentially going to do over the short term and long term. And the trustees break that out. They do a 10-year projection. They also do a 75-year projection. Now, they don't project out beyond that. Or if they do, it's not uh, readily disclosed. And, and I think it's just because, like, realistically speaking, who can possibly try to predict what's going to happen beyond 75 years from now with demographic trends and inflation and economic growth and disability? Like, you, you simply can't. So they, they try at least up to 75 years. So short-range results, the next 10 years, so that's through 2032. Here's some of the, the trends highlighted. Income into the system is expected to be less than total expenses of the system for all years during this next 10-year period. And this trend started in 2021. Prior to that, the system was actually taking in more uh, total income than it was spending out. Uh, now, now, that wasn't always the case. The system has kind of ha had waves up and down of being well-funded, being in really distressed, et cetera. There, there were major changes to the systems in the early 80s and again, um, early 90s because the system was was strained and there was uh, projected troubles in these these you know longer term projections so it all sort of ebbs and flows but anyways since 2021 the system has been paying out more than it's taking in and that trend is expected to continue for a foreseeable future uh to drill in that a little more the cost of the system you know the expenses have exceeded the non-interest income since 2010. now what does that mean remember step back i just said the system has been paying out more than it takes in since 2021, that's in total. But if you drill into those line items of things, remember some of the income into the system is the interest that is earned on the money in the trust fund. If you strip that out and you look at just the non-interest income or like the, the uh, payroll taxes people pay, that hasn't been enough to cover the total cost of the system since 2010. So this trend has, has started you know, a while ago. The big takeaway, um, the well, starting at the big takeaway, the combined trust fund is expected to be 590 billion down from almost 3 trillion currently it's expected to be 590 billion at the end of this 10 year period or the end of 2032 so you can see the the trust fund is is projected to deplete pretty pretty rapidly so that's the next 10 years looking beyond the next 10 years this is 2023 through 2097 so 75 years in total the combined income is expected to be less than expenses for all years in the 75-year period, which means it's projected that the trust fund will have to get hit and tapped every year for the foreseeable future. Specifically, the combined trust funds are expected to deplete in 2035. 
Remember, I just said over the next 10 years, you're expect the trust funds expected to drop from almost three trillion down to 590 billion. Well, by 2020, I'm sorry, 2023, it's um, it's now I'm sorry, 2034. My bad. 2034, it's expected the trust funds will complete uh, will, will deplete entirely. There's nothing left in the trust fund at that point. Again, this is the aggregate trust fund. I'm summing the two together: the OASI and the DI. The OASI technically is expected to deplete in 2033. The DI is not expected to deplete at all during the 75 years. When you wrap these two together, combine them as one, it's viewed as uh, projected at 2034. The um, the combined uh, trust fund, combined pot of money, will, will deplete. So what then happens? Well, hold, hold that thought. We'll get to what then happens. Um, this is this estimated depletion date is one year faster, one year worse than it was in last year's report. In last year's report, they projected 2035 depletion of the combined trust fund. Now it's 2034. So there's some some trends behind this. I'm sure these aren't going to be a surprise to you, but retirement of baby boomers means expenses are increasing faster than income, and that trend is expected to last through at least 2040. Why at least 2040? Well, after the baby boom, birth rates kind of dropped off. So there, there are these cycles of demographic trends that, that come and go. From 2040 to 2055, costs are expected to increase, but about the same rate as income. And that's because it's reflecting a birth rate greater than two children per woman between 1990 and 2008. So um, again, demographic changes come and go. And, and based on, we know, historically speaking, you know, looking back what the actual birth rate was, we can then project forward demographic trends from them of when they retire, potentially pass, you know, et cetera. Between 2020, I'm sorry, 2055 and 2078, costs of the system are expected to grow much faster than income because of low birth rates due to the global financial crisis between 2007, 2009. And then from 2078 to 20, uh, you know, beyond, costs are expected to grow somewhat slower than income as birth rates return back to the roughly two children per woman uh, estimate birth rates from from 2056 onward. So a little more detail you probably cared about, and I know audio version, you know, audio format like a podcast isn't the best way to to get across uh, lots of numbers, but I, hopefully I, I sum those up as uh, succinctly and digestible as possible. So to sum up the, the findings, upon the projected anticipated depletion of the trust funds in 2034, the system will only be able to pay out about 80% of currently promised, currently scheduled benefits through this long range projection of 75 years. Um, if you look at the, again, the, 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 the two funds independent, the OASI fund depletes in 2034, at which point it can then only pay out 77% of all scheduled and promised benefits. The DI fund, again, uh, not anticipated or not projected to deplete at all. So it's uh, the disability fund is expected to be able to pay out 100% of all benefits through 75, you know, through this long range projection. But when you, you meld these two pots together again, which is what the majority of this uh, report does uh, in 2034, they collectively deplete, you know, if you were to be able to share between these two pots, which at that point, uh, in effect, every benefit would get a 20% reduction uh those currently getting benefits and those who have not yet started benefits that's sort of the the headline takeaway from from this year's report so in the report the trustees do give some basic recommendations of how to uh bolster and shore up the system to keep it solvent uh through the 75-year projections one and these these aren't necessarily what needs to happen or will happen these are just super super high level if you do this then you know it'll be okay an immediate 3.44% increase to the payroll tax, effective beginning of 2023. So the payroll tax collectively is 12.4% of 
for the social security system. So those who are working in jobs covered by social security, the employee pays 6.2% of their wages up to a certain limit. Uh, you know, it's called the contribution benefit base. Employers pay an additional 6.2%. So collectively 12.4% per employee um, gets paid into the social security system. Again, up to a, a cap on wages. The, the report saying you have to increase that to 15.84% if you want to keep the system solvent and, and not have to reduce benefits through the entirety of the 75 year long range projection. Another one would be scheduled benefits, uh, you know, their uh, potential change. The scheduled benefits would have to be reduced by 21.3% for all current and future benefit recipients effective January 2023. Or if you didn't want to ding people who are already receiving benefits, a 25.4% reduction for those who are not yet eligible, but become eligible this year. Everyone who's already getting benefits wouldn't have a reduction. So that's just, again, these aren't what's actually going to happen. These are just super kind of ham-handed basic recommendations or some combination of the two. Obviously, um, you can mix and mingle cuts and, you know, cuts and benefits or increases in uh, contributions or, you know, some combination of them. Uh, the other sort of takeaway from, from the trustees was that the further fixes and changes are delayed, uh, obviously common sense, the larger the changes will need to be to correct things. So for example, if you wait until 2034, when the uh, trust fund is anticipated to deplete, if you wait until then to do anything, there'll be a, a necessary a 4.15% payroll tax increase at the time. Instead of, if you make the change now, it will be only 3.44% increase to payroll taxes. Uh, or the reduction in all benefits, if you wait until 2034 to do anything, wouldn't be 21.3%. It would need to be 25.2%. So pretty obvious, right? The longer you wait to do something, because we know that the trust fund is going to continue to trickle down over time, the longer you wait to fix it, the the, the more uh, unpalatable, you know, the, the larger the extent of the fix is going to be. Here's a just takeaway. I thought this was an interesting paragraph that summed up the trustees' view and sort of recommendations. And, and I quote, the trustees recommend that lawmakers address the projected trust fund shortfalls in a timely way in order to phase in necessary changes gradually and give workers and beneficiaries time to adjust to them. Implementing changes sooner rather than later would allow more generations to share in the needed revenue increases or reductions in scheduled benefits. Social Security will play a critical role in the lives of 67 million beneficiaries and 180 million covered workers and their families during 2023. With informed discussion, creative thinking, and timely legislative action, Social Security can continue to protect future generations. End quote. Man, that, that last, last sentence makes me laugh. Sums up government really well, right? With informed discussion, creative thinking, and timely legislative action. Those are three things I, I would not use to describe um, uh, you know, government and how they operate, but sadly, unfortunately. Um, th there's lots of ways to improve the system. Th they all ultimately boil down to either people have to pay more in, people have to get less out, or a combination of the two. There's lots and lots of ways and little levers and sub-levers that can be pulled to affect getting more in, paying less out, or a combination thereof. For example, just and I'm just riffing a few, ways to increase income into the system, increase the tax percentage, the payroll tax percentage, that was such as was one of the recommendations of the system, uh, of the trustees. Another one is increase the contribution and benefit base. Recall I said before that you only pay the social security tax up to, uh, on, on wages up to a certain level. I think it's like 160 grand this year, give or take, I could be wrong. Um, increase that. Now, it's not that simple because the way the formula works, those that uh, at the higher wages end up getting less out of the system 
So maybe you um, kind of you have to rejigger the underlying formula that determines the benefit payment. But anyway, you know, the point is, if you remove that cap or increase that cap on wages, you can get more into the system. You can tax it more. As I mentioned before, only up to 85% of your benefits are taxable. You can simply make it 100% of your benefits are taxable, you know, or 90 or whatever. There's that lever. So those are ways to potentially increase the income. Ways to decrease uh, benefits paid out, you can increase the full retirement age. Currently, uh, this is fairly technical, but there's something called full retirement age, which is somewhere between 66 and 67 for everyone listening. That's the age at which your full benefit can be obtained. If you delay it beyond that, it'll be larger. If you start it sooner, it'll be smaller. We'll just simply bump that out, you know, from 67 to 68, 69, maybe even 70. And that'll that'll um, reduce the amount of benefit people get for starting at, you know, at the same age. Change the formula as a whole. I already sort of touched on this, but change the formula. There's there's lots of inner workings to the formula that, that, that ultimately uh, derive the amount of benefit you get. You can change that to, to simply pay out less. Have less cost of living adjustments. Cost of living adjustments are inflation-based increases to uh, benefits. So you see it was over 8% increase to benefits because of inflation. Now, that's good. Obviously, people want that, need that. It goes a long way. But by, by reducing the amount of inflation adjustments increases you, you give to people, it, it simply is you know another way to to pay less out of the system. So that's the takeaway. Um, that That's the report. Hope you found this. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. I don't want to say entertaining. I know this was entertaining, but informative, if nothing else. Uh, I'll do this again next year. I think it's important to keep watching the trend of this, uh, wh where the system goes. I'm convinced changes will be made. We're not going to, I can't imagine politicians will collectively wait till 2034 or whenever the trust fund finally depletes to make changes. Changes I'm almost certain will be made ahead of time, but it's probably going to be 11th hour because this is such a hot potato no one wants to touch because everyone knows the only way to fix it is pay less out or make people pay more in. Neither of those are going to be palatable to to the voting public. So politicians are trying to avoid that at all costs. Is um, is, is my speculation. But uh, something will be you know something will happen. Uh, my guess is those who are already on benefits or close to benefits aren't going to see a reduction in benefits. Maybe you have to pay more tax on benefits. But the the you know the the gross amount of benefits, I, I can't picture a scenario where they get reduced because it would literally be people marching on Capitol Hill looking at looking at sever heads of politicians if you know you take away someone's social security benefit especially someone who's on it right I, you know i'm 45 i, I fully anticipate my benefit's going to be reduced from what it's uh, said it's supposed to be now but people who are 60 ish plus maybe even late 50s plus um my guess is you don't have to worry about a benefit reduction but, but who knows we'll see so that's that. Hope you enjoyed this. Uh, as always, if you like this show, I'd greatly appreciate it if you would take a moment to leave a review, a thumbs up, a star, a like, a, a whatever, a little smiley face. I don't know what it is. I would uh, be greatly appreciated. And also check out the retirementplanningeducation.com website, which is the single source for all of my retirement education stuff, retirement planning education stuff. You can find this podcast there, obviously. You can also find a, a direct feed to the YouTube channel by the same name and the Facebook group. Retirement Planning Education. Uh, if you're not already on that, you should be. Um, there's also a whole host of freely downloadable goodies, checklists, resources, uh, references, etc. You don't need to cough up your name or phone number or email. Just simply click the download and boom, there you have it. Alrighty, that's it. Uh, as always, I had a fun time. Hope you did as well. And uh, we'll see you next time. The information discussed in this podcast is only general explanations and education. It is not specific tax, legal, or investment advice. Before considering acting on anything you heard here, first consult with your tax, legal, or investment advisor. Thank you. Thank you.